When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 102. We're recording on Thursday, April 16th. I'm Rebecca Shinsky. I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello. Good morning. Spring has sprung. It has. And it's like sunny and beautiful and there's pollen coming in my office window. (laughs) (laughs) Tree sex. Ooh, hey. (laughs) We went blue in less than a minute. That's Sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like on cold pressed coffee now. I'm fully in warm weather is happening. It's great. I have also made that switch. Uh, One of the things that we look forward to in spring for the last few years, at least, has been World Book Night, April nice. 23rd. You see? Yeah, that's that nice, good. right? Hey there. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up ready this morning. Uh, but World Book Night lost its funding in the U.S. last year, and we at Book Riot have really missed it. And our events director, Jen Northington, is a smart, smart lady who's been thinking about what we could do to bring it back. Uh, so on a smaller scale, we're hosting Book Drive events called BYOB. Uh, next Thursday, April 23rd in Washington, D.C., Richmond. So if you live here with me and Amanda, you can come hang out with us at the Fountain Bookstore. Uh, in New York, in Chicago, and in Lexington, Kentucky. We're starting small because we have not done this before. Uh, If you didn't know what World Book Night was, it was an organized effort where a bunch of publishers collaborated. They selected like 16 or 20 different titles, um, and they printed a total of 1 million books for people to give away for free. The idea being, if you love a book, like you could register or apply to be a book giver and give away Wild by Cheryl Strayed. And there would be a special edition printed, and then you would pick them up at a local library or bookstore, whatever your location was. And then you would take your 20 copies of that book and give them out to a shelter. You could stand on a corner. You could take them to your local coffee shop, whatever, um, to give them to people who either might not be readers or might not have access to books and reading material as a way to to just you know, kind of grow the magic of the literary world. Uh, it still happens in the UK. We had a bunch of people from Book Riot participate in it for the few years that it was here in the US. There's kind of nothing bad about giving books to people who don't have books. Uh, so for this one, if you've got a pile of books to give away, even if you just have a few books that are cluttering up your shelves that you're ready to part ways with, but they're in good condition, check out bookriot.com BYOB uh, for the locations in DC, Richmond, New York, Chicago, and Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, or, and for more information about the partnership we formed with the Harry Potter Alliance to do this. Uh, and if you're not in one of the cities where we're having events, there's still information about how you can get your books Uh, to the Harry Potter Alliance and their apparating library, which is also (laughs) just the coolest thing. Excellently named. Ever. Um, Well done. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm just so glad we're going to be doing this. It'll be fun to start having some events and meeting people who read the site and who listen to the podcast. And this is just a great way to get involved in your uh, local literary community and also take our online stuff out into the real world. So 
bookriot.com slash BYOB. Uh, also, another housekeeping note, uh, we're going to do our annual moms, dads, and grads recommendation show in a couple of weeks. So if you are shopping for a mom, a dad, or a graduate in your life, and you need a book to give them and you're stuck, you can shoot us an email podcast at bookriot.com. Tell us a little bit about them, what kind of books they're into, what you're hoping to achieve with your gift, or if you just want some summer reading recommendations for yourself, tell us all about that too. And we will do a show in a couple of weeks that rattles off a bajillion recommendations. I think all three of us are going to do that one. So that'll be another uh, triple whammy in a good way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And if you are... If your person that you're shopping for might also listen to the show, just be sure to let us know that in the email so we won't like read off your name or give any identifying information. We'll help you keep it like a secret. All right. So before we get going, we should do our first sponsor. Scribd is back this week. Uh, If you've been listening for a while, you know about Scribd. They're the subscription book service that gives you unlimited access to a library of more than half a million ebooks and audiobooks and comics. Yeah, they do. Scribd.com. It's S-C-R-I-B-D.com slash book riot will get you started with a free month of the service. You can literally try anything that they have and as many of the anythings that they have as you want. Uh, it's also just win, win, win all the way around. You're using this a lot, right? Scribd? Yes. Yes. I used it to uh, read all of the Tiffany Rice books, which was awesome. Um, and the March, have you read the comics March? No. There's two volumes. I don't remember the name. It's written by a politician about the civil rights movement. And I've been going through those on Scribd um, on my phone. And those oh, are really cool. great, too. I've never he- heard of March. So Rincy. I saw uh, Rincy, one of our contributors who has her own YouTube channel about books, uh, recommended it uh, on her YouTube channel. And so that's where I heard about it. Awesome. <laughs> I know uh, Lumberjanes, which is my favorite, and I believe that now you have experienced the Lumberjanes magic. I'm on the bandwagon. Awesome. It's like, it's just the happiest, most amazing bandwagon. <laughs> um, that's in Scribd also. It's about a group of uh, girlfriends that are at summer camp together, and they have like mythological, crazy adventures, and there's danger, and there's humor, and there are great feminist references and pop culture references. Like, uh, I think you compared it in a video that you did to that thing Pixar does, where it's a story that's written for kids and appropriate for kids, but there are all these little winking inside things yes. for inside jokes for the grownups <laughs> for adults. It's great. Uh, Open Road Media is one of the smaller publishers that Scribd works with. They work with major houses like HarperCollins, Simon Schuster, Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. Uh, Open Road does the backlist for James Salter on ebook, who. Uh, I love greatly. And I think I've said on the show before that one of the titles that I picked for what will eventually be the curated page that lives at scribd.com slash book riot is a sport and a pastime. Uh, So if you're looking for something steamy and enjoyable, (laughs) but it's not a romance, it's just a steamy literary novel. If that's your thing, uh, and it's totally my thing. uh, Why would it not be your thing? (laughs) Seriously, then that's a good place to go. Um, If you haven't tried a subscription service or you've been thinking about it, like if you're e-reading or even if you're not e-reading, but you have a phone and you're thinking about, you know, picking up your phone to read instead of to poke at Facebook or Twitter or Instagram in your quiet moments, it's a great way, I think, to have some found reading time in your life and also to discover books that you might not plunk down 
you know, $9.99 or $15.99 or $26.99 for the title if you haven't experienced that author before or if you're not sure that you're going to like it. But this is zero risk. You open it, you open the ebook in Scribd, you read a couple of pages. If it works for you, you keep going. If it doesn't work for you, you just pick something else Mm -hmm. from now until forever. (laughs) It's great. Uh, So scribd.com slash bookriot, S-C-R-I-B-D.com slash bookriot to get your 30 days of unlimited reading and listening and comicsing started. Shout us out on Twitter if you need any recommendations or if you find something great in Scribd, let us know. We're always on the lookout. And thanks to them for sponsoring the show. So we got follow-up. Yes. Last week, we talked about Amazon and HarperCollins being at loggerheads and HarperCollins refusing to sign the agreement that was the same terms that uh, Simon & Schuster and Hachette had recently signed with Amazon. And Jeff and I speculated about all kinds of things that might happen. uh, And none of them were going to happen. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good. <laughs> yeah. So they reached an agreement. It's a multi-year agreement. It allows the publishers to set their own ebook prices, but it gives them financial encouragement to price them cheaply. I want to know what that is. Yeah. There's there's never enough information. Uh, well, especially when it comes to Amazon. They don't tell you things. Yeah, that's true. It's a kind of like um, anticlimactic. It is. Like... I was really hoping, I still am really hoping just to see one of the publishers give Amazon the middle finger and make a go of it themselves. Um, Yeah. Not because I know for certain that that will work, but just I want someone to conduct that experiment. Um, It seems as an outsider, which we certainly are, like we don't work for publishers. We have a a different perspective Mm -hmm. that... Uh, publishers are very afraid of upsetting Amazon. And so there's this like little throwing of tantrums and little refusals to comply. And and they get all the press about refusing to comply and authors get to feel good that the publisher is, you know, going to bat for them about their pricing. And the publisher gets to feel good that they're doing something to get their better ebook pricing and to try to protect their bottom line, which of course is their number one priority. And it should be because they're running businesses, but like nothing actually changes yeah and i just want to see somebody do something that's an attempt at real change i think i agree (laughs) okay not a lot to say there (laughs) yeah harper collins doing the deal all right we got more amazon news you want to take this one sure this one's funny uh amazon is suing one of those what do you call them review broker companies that sells reviews four and five stars review four and five star reviews of products for 20 bucks Mm. uh, that you see on amazon all the time Amazon is taking them to court. Interesting. I hope they win. Yeah. And it's, I so in the uh, the uh, link that will be in the mm-hmm. show notes to Boing Boing to the article about this, um, the person who's writing it says, I hope we get to see the subpoenaed record so we can find out which authors or publishers or manufacturers or whatever are actually buying mm-hmm. these reviews to, yes. to their Amazon ratings. And that is information I would like to have. I would definitely like to have that. Something we had on the site recently... And I can't, I'm sorry, I can't even remember what it was, but one of a commenter on something on the site recently made a reference to like, to authors' friends getting mad uh, when 
there are negative reviews. And sometimes there are these like casual, loosely organized things where, um, you know, somebody gets a negative review on Amazon or on Goodreads, and they get a bunch of their friends to go downvote that review, essentially, Mm -hmm. and to say that it's not helpful so that it buries the negative reviews and then to upvote the positive ones, you know, to do exactly what you think they're trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have heard rumblings, and I have no idea if they're true or not. So allegations of mainstream publishers doing this, like quietly either paying for good reviews or quietly paying people to um, to go online and bury bad reviews. And both of those are <laughs> malfeasance. <laughs> Foul play, I say. <laughs> it's... Like, this is a thing that, of course, as soon as there's a crowdsourced way to rate products, somebody is going to find a way to game those ratings. And there, there's there been sort of an accepted statement that, like, at least a third of all ratings on all consumer review websites are fake. So if you're trying to really get a sense, not just of which books to buy on Amazon, but like, you know, which suitcase to buy or which diaper brand is better. Like we always talk about this just, you know, in relation to books, but I think it's happening in its little microcosm bubbles, probably in every industry Mm -hmm. um, where people are, you know, trying to get the products that they believe are good products that they make or good books that they publish or good diapers or whatever to rise to the top organically, but they're fighting the tide of uh, lesser products being reviewed well because people are being paid to review. And like, I want to read a big expose by a person who works for one of these websites, like who Mm. spends all day, you know, sitting, writing four and five star reviews for books or phones or suitcases or whatever. Like, do they have a list of words that they pull from? Do they have an auto generator? (laughs) There's got to be like a Include one thing that could be interpreted as a criticism so mm. that your review seems more authentic, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know the image on this article. If this is, if these are like examples of fake reviews, they're only like two or three sentences. So 20 bucks for two or three sentences is, you know, it's yeah. good work if you can get it. And they're not like terribly effusive, at least the ones in this screenshot, which look to yeah. be for like a phone charger. Yeah. Uh, or something. Yeah. A phone charger. Yeah, Galaxy USB cord or yeah. something. So, like, it, this is happening all over the place. It would be inter- – I do hope Amazon wins this. You know, it's kind of weird because Amazon has so many of its own problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, like, games its own algorithms and there's all sorts of, you know, how does a thing end up on the Amazon bestseller list? How does a thing end up being recommended by, you know, Amazon's – you should buy this uh, – recommendation engine. Sorry, my words broke there <laughs> for, for a second. But I do think that it's the best thing for consumers is the thing that I want. And the best thing for consumers is for reviews to be as trustworthy as possible. So yeah. I wouldn't even do this for a book. It has a nice cover, like unless you read it, you make something up based on this. On the or maybe you like, this? yeah, maybe you take the words from the synopsis and you find synonyms for them. Like, you know, this is like a, the barbs. This is so compelling. I couldn't put it down. And, yeah. you know, if it's, I don't know, if it's a literary book, then you talk uh, beautiful, flowing, poetic language. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> what a page turner. <laughs> you just use the word limb as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> Unput downable. Oh, no. Stop. Yeah, I wonder that actually, I wonder how much input, if any, the customers get 
here. Like if you're buying a four star review, first of all, why would you buy a four star review and not a five star? Mm-hmm. I guess maybe for variety. But do they're you, more they're more trustworthy. I yeah. Think. Do you get to say these are the things I would like highlighted in my five star review? Or is it really just here's my $20, write something nice? Well, according to the FAQ on the site, before the lawsuit, the FAQ said that the customers who were buying the reviews could write them themselves. Mm. So you're really just paying somebody else to place your own PR in their account. Okay. Um, Or you could have their in-house writers who are skilled at writing custom reviews based on your specifications. So you can give them specifications. Mm-hmm. Reviews are between 100 and 150 words. Anyway, after the lawsuit, now the FAQ says, no, you cannot provide pre-written reviews. Reviews will, will be written only after using your product. Uh. And they will write according to their choice. Hmm. Interesting. Lies. According, they will write according to their choice. Lies, lies, and statistics. Yeah. It's weird. What if my choice is that I hate it? Are you still going to give me 20 bucks? Right. <laughs> You know, specifically in books, there's a thing that we've been seeing the last few years where publishers email bloggers and they email us and they say, we will give you this book in exchange for an Mm. honest review where like you basically have to promise that you will cover the book because you somehow owe them Mm -hmm. um, that five to 10 hours of your life, plus your writing time, plus the access to your audience uh, just for, you know, free text, uh, which (laughs) is not free, by the way, if you have to do 10 hours of work for it. Um, And it comes, I've seen it come up like we just declined that because I'm not promising to cover anything ever. Mm. Um, but I've seen it come up in blogging circles of people saying, you know, like, I, I promised an honest review and here is my honest review. And then uh, the author or the publisher, more likely it's the author gets mad and does a, yeah, I did you a favor by giving you this free book and you gave me a two-star review for that. That's the thanks that I get is a two-star review. It's just, man. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> man, this is just ugly all the way around. Anyway, it'll be interesting to watch uh, this lawsuit and see what comes out of it. Hopefully some interesting information will come Go out of Amazon it. is a thing I never thought I would say in life, but there it is. <laughs> like, I, I feel like it's going to be whack-a-mole. Like Amazon will, if, if they win this one against this one company, that's just, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that fake reviews will disappear from Amazon. There will be a bunch of others that they either don't defeat or can't even identify. Um, people are... People be shady, Amanda. <laughs> People be shady. That is accurate. That is so accurate. Speaking of shady. Okay. <laughs> the ALA, the American Library Association, uh, it's National Library Week, by the way. Uh, they released this week the list of the top 10 most frequently challenged books of 2014. Uh, important language there because books you know, very rarely actually are banned in the legal governmental banning sense uh, here in the United States. But schools frequently take them off of their shelves or they put restrictions around who reads books and how they get access to them. Uh, This list is always interesting. It's especially revealing this This year. year. Uh, So these are the 10 titles. The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie. It always is, you know, and there's like... It's a story about a teenager, and there are some references to um, self love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just is, the one, like there's right, like it's right, just yeah, the there's one. just the one. Um, 
And, you know, there's some, there's discussion of drugs and alcohol um, and of alcoholism and of sex education. There's some cursing. It's a book about a teenage boy who experiences and thinks about the things that teenage boys experience and think about. Uh, But people sometimes don't want their children to see reality in books. Uh, Anyway, so (laughs) Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie, Persepolis by Marjane Satrapi. And Tango Makes Three by Justin Richardson and Peter Parnell. Uh, That's a children's, it's a picture book about um, penguins, gay penguins. It's the gay penguin children's book. Um, (laughs) The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. It's Perfectly Normal by Roby Harris, which is uh, is a sex ed book. It's like, you know, what parents go into Barnes and Noble to buy to talk about their kid with their kids when they find out that the human growth and development section is coming up in school. Um, I cannot tell you how many copies of that book I hand sold when I was a bookseller. Uh, saga by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Say what? Mm-hmm. For, <laughs> comics made it on the list. Yeah. Lots of comics. Uh, reasons. The reasons are anti-family. Hold up. Which I don't know what that means, but. Aren't they married? They are married. The They're two married ma- and they have a baby. They How do. is it anti-family? Uh, nudity, which I think is a reference to a bared breast with a, um, when she, when the female character is breastfeeding. Mm. offensive language, sexually explicit, (laughs) and unsuited for age group, which would absolutely depend on which age group we were talking about this being assigned for. Um, The Kite Runner by Khaled Hosseini. The Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky, which is amazing to me that this is consistently on the list Mm -hmm. because this book was out when I was a teenager. Like it came out when I was like 15. Um, And so for 17 years, parents have been upset about the same things. And it's also pretty mild. Um, A Stolen Life by J.C. Dugard. Weird. Yeah. And Drama by Raina Telgemeier. Uh, So they, they break out in this ALA thing. The reasons that the book's are challenged. Uh, but a bunch of the commentary, um, and the LA Times did a really great piece on it. So we'll link to that in the show notes too. points out that eight of the, these 10 titles feature some kind of diversity. Mm. And that's telling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about your feelings, Amanda. I don't have any nice things to say about that. I can't even like, I can't even articulate what I'm thinking about it, really. Like, uh, the kind of people who would go, like, take the time out of their day to go challenge a book's presence in the library, those people also being the kind of people who have issues with diverse experiences does not surprise me. Like, the overlap in that Venn diagram Mm -hmm. is not surprising to me. I agree. Uh, and when the in the LA Times piece, when they're talking about diversity, and when we're talking about diversity here, uh, there are marginalized racial groups that are represented on this list. The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian is about a Native American kid who grows up on a reservation and then goes to public school and sort of goes back and forth, living that life that is one like kind of one foot in his culture and one foot in mainstream American culture and the tension between those and uh, figuring out his racial identity, figuring out how to make sense of the stuff that's going on in his family and in his culture and also uh, being made fun of at school, not fitting in because his experiences are so different from what his white classmates experience. Um, Tango makes three. That's 
sexual diversity. Promotes the homosexual agenda <laughs> is listed just, under additional reasons. Because the homosexuals get together and they, you know, identify their agenda. And their agenda is penguins. Right. That's how we're going to get them, guys. Uh, the it's perfectly normal which is the sex ed book uh one of the additional re- reasons is quote alleges it is child pornography what there are, okay first of all there are no pictures of children like actual children in this book there are uh illustrations and it's all that kind of cartoony here are the parts of your body that are going to grow hair soon yeah yeah you know <laughs> sorts of things and then cart- you know drawings of reproductive systems uh it's so interesting and uh, like you said telling and revealing about what people find worrisome and so much of the things that people find worrisome are just presentations of bodies um yeah the saga by Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples, the the first like deluxe edition of it, which is a beautiful hardcover that I think has the first like 24 issues, 20. It's either it's it's a lot of them, like yeah, a whole bunch of the uh, the issues of saga. The hardcover illustration is uh, the Alana, the female characters, bare breast with the baby nursing on it. And they did that intentionally as a like middle finger to uh to people who had complained about sexually explicit images when it's just a picture of a woman's body doing a thing that a woman's body does. Um, I think out of all of these, my children are only four, so I haven't crossed this bridge yet. I have mm -hmm. a feeling that I'll let them read whatever they want to because I don't care. But if I saw like my middle schooler flipping through my copies of Saga, I would probably have an issue with that. Sure, sure. Not, but like, because the, because it's pictures. I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to explain. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily mind them reading the narrative of it or like mm. the curse words or whatever. But there it is very it's a violent. I mean, it's like mature content, right? It's very violent. Right. There are there's like a couple of chapters dedicated to a sex palace. So there's the stuff that comes <laughs> along with that. And I wouldn't necessarily want like my young kid flipping through those kinds of images. But but then to take that and then, like, go to your school or your library and demand that the book be removed from the shelf. Like, I cannot, mm-hmm. I just right. can't fathom doing that. Yeah, that's, like, every time that we talk about books being challenged here, that seems to be where we come down and where a lot of, you know, the people in the literary community come down. It's like, it's absolutely fine and within a parent's prerogative to determine what's appropriate for their kid to read. And exactly as you're saying, Saga has content that you need to be an adult and a mature person to understand because right there are chapters about a sex palace there are little girls that are like basically trap it's like you know sex slave They're trafficking like yeah mm-hmm. uh and there's violence and there's interplanetary war and the marriage between the two people is on the rocks and like it's just not the kind of story that most 11 year olds are going to want to read in the first place but it's For real <laughs> not the kind of story that an 11 year old could really process and that's you know that's fine that's why we have books for people of all ages but like the Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian is written for teenagers. The Perks of Being a Wallflower is written for teenagers. The reasons that kids love those books revolve around how real they feel and how honest and candid they are about the experience of being a person that age and making sense of friendships and family and sexuality and you know just discussing those things frankly, which if you as a 
particular parent don't want your particular child to read that stuff, fine, but you don't get to decide what everybody else's kids read or what's appropriate for everyone else or, or for the classroom. Um, I have real, I have a real problem with like, with parents intruding into education where the educators, you know, are taught about development and are taught about the issues that kids face and librarians are trained to be able to do these kinds of things. And, and just a randomly selected parent from a random school um, is not going to know better than an educator what's good for the children. Like you get yeah. to know what's good for your children. Exactly. And I, I know I agree. I think it's um, I can rant about this for hours, but I won't I'll just warn you. But like <laughs> the idea that I think is especially prevalent in my generation of parents that by virtue of having reproduced, you're suddenly an expert in childhood development mm. um, or in anything other than your own process of reproduction is uh, a thing that I've, I've noticed a lot, especially like, you know, those Facebook memes that go around that are like, whatever, mommy knows best and whatever. And like, well, maybe you don't like just because you had a kid doesn't mean you know what's best for kids. You probably know what's best for your kid because you live with the kid, right? But Mm -hmm. like you don't get to make decisions. You don't suddenly have a like master's degree in childhood education or a master's degree in library science just because you Mm -hmm. have babies. So like let the experts expert. (laughs) (laughs) And just how tangled up the presentation of diverse authors and diverse cultures and diverse, you know, sexualities is with these books that are so frequently challenged. Like it's you know, the Perks of Being a Wallflower is about a white kid and it has some sections about masturbation and drug use and all kinds of things. The Absolutely True, part, blah, mm-hmm. the Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian also has those things, but comes up a lot more on these lists. The Bluest Eye mm-hmm. by Toni Morrison, um, one of the main lines of that story is about a girl who is sexually abused by her father. We have all kinds of those stories throughout literature, um, but it's the ones by black authors and Native American authors that are somehow the most offensive or worrisome to mm-hmm. people. Um, the Kite Runner is about Middle Eastern characters, and I so is Persepolis. Yeah, yeah, it's this is not a coincidence that it's in these particular stories with their framing in non-dominant cultures uh, in the U.S. that people seem to get the most upset about. And you know, something interesting, when we uh, we tweeted this list uh, from the Book Riot Twitter account, I think it was in Critical Linking a couple mm-hmm. days ago, and so we tweeted about it, um, and I got several replies to that tweet about, specifically about Antango Makes Three. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is, a ch- like, it's a child's book. It's a picture book for Little kids. And the responses were so bizarre to me. They were like, it's it's not a true story. As if like... <laughs> These penguins were not actually married. Right. Like the penguins are not... It's like a, they were like caricatures of the protesters in that one episode of Parks and Rec where yeah. Leslie marries the penguins. Uh-huh. Um, but I got so many of those responses. And they were all coming from one group who I come to find out are like known for... Um, trolling the the ALA, the American Library Association. <laughs> um, but they were apparently just on Twitter looking for for mentions of this banned list or these, these lists of challenge books. And we're just letting everybody know that Antango Makes Three is not a true story. 
<laughs> and we are not to pervert young children's minds with the idea that it's okay for penguins to be a family when they are two dads. It was the most bizarre. I was in like Twilight, <laughs> Twilight World I, sitcom. I just, wow. <laughs> Which like, say. whatever, if you think that Antango Makes Three promotes the homosexual agenda, like pull that little red wagon all day long, but you don't get to pull these books off the shelves for other kids. And age appropriateness is absolutely a real concern. Mm-hmm. Parents and educators are allowed to have that concern and to have that conversation. You as a parent get to decide what your kid reads, but you just don't. Like, yeah. It's absurd to me that we even have a list of most challenged books. Have you read drama number 10? I haven't. I think that's a comic, isn't it? Or a graphic novel? Yeah, Raina Telgemeier is a, a But comic she writes the, the graphic novels for like middle school children. She's doing the graphic novel versions of the Babysitter's Club that Scholastic yes. is putting out. Awesome. <laughs> the only reason given for this one being challenged is sexually explicit. And I, I have a hard time believing that... Like a graphic novelist for middle grade mm-hmm. children wrote something sexually. I don't know. I have when, to. I'll read it. But when, like, like the bluest eye gets that sexually explicit label also, which if you're reading scenes of rape and child molestation and what you get from that is people will be aroused by this. This is sexually explicit in a pornographic way. That's a thing to interrogate. Yeah. As well. That's weird. Mm-hmm. We had that when we, we were, oh, this was a long time ago, but when we wrote a post about Speak. Oh, um, right. By Laura Hall Sanderson. Right. That YA novel that has, um, there's a, like a date rape scene in it. Uh-huh. I think it's been a while since I read it. And there was a, like this, this person came into the comments about how it was pornographic and everyone else was like, dude, if you get like porn vibes from a rape scene, that is your lookout. Like you need mm-hmm. to examine that because that is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just like there's. It's just so not okay. That is you, buddy. That's all you. (laughs) We should go to a happier story first. So let's go to our next sponsor because it's, you know, a nice book. It is. Yay. It's about Louisa May Alcott. Uh, So this is The Revelation of Louisa May by Michaela McColl. It stars Louisa May Alcott. This is very like what's happening in literature right now, um, like literary figures being written about as characters, which I think is so interesting. Anyway, so of course, Louisa May Alcott is the author, uh, was the author of Little Women and Little Men and Joe's Boys and all of those books. And this is a historical novel about her that has cameos from Henry David Thoreau, Ralph Waldo Emerson. There's a murder mystery to solve. There's a blossoming love story in the the book. Uh, Michaela McColl is known for delivering really strong uh, female protagonists. And most of her books are about intrigue and romance. And the revelation of Louisa May is no exception. And this is about Louisa May Alcott when she was young. Um, So you can read an excerpt of the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the perfect sponsor spot for you to read. This is my wheelhouse. (laughs) Yeah, this is like they built your wheelhouse around fiction about young Louisa May Alcott. Alcott. Because she was sassy. Let me tell you what. (laughs) Louisa May Alcott was a sassy fan. Maybe she has romance and intrigue with Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson in this book. Wait, now I'm just writing slash fiction. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that exists. I would bet. Wait, I think Ralph Waldo Emerson was a little old for her. Like, was friends with her parents. Oh, well, then we can just challenge the book. We we could, yeah. Excuse me. (laughs) 
the revelation of Louise May. This is totally a thing that's happening in fiction the last couple of years. It seems like there's been more than like it's always been kind of a thing. But the last few years, there have been all these books that are novels that take as their protagonist a famous writer from the past. And the, you know, the author of them imagines young Hemingway or young Zelda yeah. Fitzgerald or young Louisa May Alcott and it's such an interesting thought experiment. It is. There's a new one about, um, oh gosh, now my brain is, uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne. Mm. There's coming out, I think Eric Robick wrote that one. Um, and yeah, Zelda Fitzgerald, they're just everywhere. Do you think in like a hundred years, there are going to be novels about like young Marilyn Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe in like 200 years. Like, you got to be hardcore canonized That's first. true. Well, maybe not, because there's one about um, Edna St. Vincent Millay, and she's 20th century. That's true. Hmm, I don't know. Well, Louisa May is obviously. Yes, obviously, like, canonical and iconic. And there are so many, like, there's so much source material for this. Her letters and, other, her, like, her family's letters about uh-huh. and to her and her newspaper articles that she wrote. And there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of beef Mm-hmm. to make a book about Louisa May Alcott. So I'm yeah. glad somebody did it. <laughs> yeah. It's a gorgeous cover, too. She's got, you know, her flowing dress on, kind of walking through the woods. Uh, I'm intrigued. Like, Louisa May is not my homegirl, but I'm intrigued in a novel about her and what what this intrigue and romance might be. A romance novel with Louisa May Alcott. No, I don't think it's a romance novel. It's a novel of intrigue and romance. Which, yeah, different thing. Right. But anything, like you put romance in Louisa May. And murder. There's also murder. I am all over it. I hope that it's like Louisa May girl detective. Oh my gosh. I want that to be a series. Okay, Michaela, let's have a chat. Call us. I want a series of novels. About Louisa May Alcott solving mysteries while having romantic shenanigans. Sold. I'm sold so hard. (laughs) This can be volume one. (laughs) And so thank you to Michaela McColl and the revelation of Louisa May. Again, you can pre-order yours at the link in the show notes. Now I'm just going to be thinking about Louisa May Alcott, girl detective. And Henry David Thoreau solving crimes together. Yes. Except she's obviously in charge. He is not in charge. Oh, no. She is definitely in charge there. Mm. Anyway. <laughs> what's next, Amanda? Planes, trains, and automobiles. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hit me. Okay. Penguin Random House has partnered with um, Amtrak mm-hmm. to put books on trains. Okay. Sort of. Except they're not. Okay. Wait, so we They're talked about books. Ah. <laughs> They're <laughs> excerpts, and then you can. There's a buy button. So when you're on the train, you're on the. Uh, it's for the Acela Express uh, passengers, mm-hmm. I guess, via their Wi Fi. There's a new digital content platform where you can read free excerpts of Penguin Random House's books and then purchase them if you feel like it, which is not great, Bob. Yeah, I don't, like I don't want this. Like, <clears throat> we, Jeff and I have talked about some of the things I think that came out last summer, like every time summer and vacation season rolls around, we get these interesting projects from publishers that tie into the travel notion. And last summer, there were some things of like, when you connect to the in-flight Wi-Fi, you'll get a page that offers you like these 10 books to read that are the the correct length for your flight kinds of things. And Mm -hmm. some of them were free books, and some of them were 
here are the things that we recommend and you can just buy them. Um, and I remember being like, why don't we have this on trains? Because a train ride is so perfect. Yeah. But it's like an nobody likes an excerpt, man. Like, I don't know yes. any readers who are like, yes, please give me a 10 page excerpt. I love that. Like, you're not you're just not actually giving the person anything. It's like, here, have a bite of this ice cream and then give me 10 bucks for <laughs> the whole scoop. Like, there are just so many, like, it, whatever. I'm glad they're trying it on trains. But the thing that I hope would exist is like, either here are 10 free ebooks and yes. then just enjoy because we want you to read these books and talk about them on the internet and recommend them to your friends. And so this is like a basically a giveaway for word of mouth. But the thing that I think would work better, especially if you want to use it as a marketing tool, is something like this is the first book in a series that the second book is also coming out. Or maybe the last book in the series is coming out. And so they give the first book in the series for free to people on the train. So you can read it and then you get hooked and then you buy the rest of them. Oh, yeah. uh, or just this author has a new book coming out. And so here's their backlist title or something like that. Like there, there are a bunch of ways that you could make this interesting or even here are some great things for a dollar 99. Like HarperCollins does book perk, which is its own daily email of HarperCollins titles where the eBooks are on sale. So you can subscribe to that and every day get an email. That's like, these are five HarperCollins titles that are on sale for a dollar 99. Like I am much more likely, and maybe it's just my use case, so listeners tell me if you, if you would do something differently, but I'm much more likely to like turn on the Acela Wi-Fi if you can get it to work. Yeah, <laughs> there's the rub. <laughs> and and then be like, oh, I don't have anything to read. This thing looks interesting. It's only $1.99. I'll give it a shot. Then I am to be like, yes, I will read 10 pages of your thing and then pay full price for it. Uh, yeah, you're no. not actually giving people something. I'm glad that... Penguin Random House is doing a thing because mm -hmm. they seem to always be like kind of the last people to do a thing. If that like but the last like publisher doing the worst version of the thing. Yeah, I don't. But I don't want. I want this. I want something on trains, and I want Penguin Random House to do a thing. But I don't want excerpts. Like that's my my only problem with this is that I don't want ex. I would even do like pay whatever five bucks and here's a list of 20 ebooks that you can get you know or, mm -hmm. or like an well i know they don't want to do any sort of subscription but if like oyster or scribd or somebody partnered with amtrak to where you could get like a free trial for as long as you're sitting there or, yeah. or like a day or a week or uh -huh. whatever so that when you sit down and connect to the wi-fi you just automatically get a free trial and then you can read whatever you want for x amount of days that would be cool but like i just don't want to read an excerpt i just don't i'm sorry no and that's where my, that's my only yeah, objection. Like, I don't know if your banner ads say like, read an excerpt. I'm just never clicking on them. I'm like, I've never read an excerpt that has sold me on a book. Mm -hmm. I think the just, last time I read an excerpt was when I was a teenager and I was reading like some YA novel and then the excerpt from the sequel was in the back. And I read it because I was 15 and obsessed. Mm -hmm. But now I'm not. Well, things. Like, how much longer are these excerpts than the samples that you can get just like in the Amazon store? Like mm -hmm. I do frequently hear our readers or see our readers say things about like, oh yeah, I, you know, I opened like the Kindle sample of that and I read it and decided it didn't suck. So I kept going. <laughs> um, but if it's like, are you just giving people in these excerpts the exact same stuff they would get by sampling in the, in Amazon, which is the place that most people buy their eBooks? Like, 
this to me looks like a publisher being like, we should do a thing with trains and we should make sure that people buy the stuff that we want them to buy, which is not actually a service to your readers. Um, mm. Man, solve readers problems and the readers will give you dollars. It's they really will. Yeah. <laughs> and being bored on a train and having forgotten your book is a problem. So or, like you there's a delay and you finish the oh, book yes. that you've packed and yes. Having the whole wide world of the internet available to you instead of just what's in the like airport bookstore mm -hmm. is a huge boon. Or what I, you've already downloaded. <laughs> I have read some terrible books because I finished like in the days before internet, I, you know, got delayed in O'Hare and finished the book that I had packed and had to buy something from an airport bookstore. And you know, not all books in airport bookstores are bad. That's not what I'm saying. But I made some bad choices <laughs> out of is. some of the less than ideal selection that was available. And it would be great to be like, hey, you're stuck on a train. Here are some great things that you can read that are actually great and that you might want. Like, also, are these just going to be excerpts of like the diet books that the publishers are always trying to sell? I don't know. I'm down on this one. I do not want bad choices. Oh, did I do it right? You did. Look I've never at you done go. the segue. I've never segue done a segue like before. a boss. Hello. Okay. So here's another questionable thing. Southwest Airlines is hosting surprise, like pop-up book readings <sighs> on their planes. So you are stuck on the plane at 35,000 feet <sighs> listening to an author do a reading. How there that this, is. Like, how does this work? <laughs> so I read this article and it's just... It was on a, the person writing it was on an 8.40 a.m. flight. Oh. And let me tell you what, if you surprise me with a reading I was not intending on, like, participating in at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to throw some shade. Yeah, like, I never want to be your captive audience, but especially not at 8.40 in the morning. Whoa. So, uh, just before takeoff, the author got up and announced his, or introduced himself and announced that the flight would contain a surprise. <sighs> and then as they got up in the air, the surprise turned out to be him reading from his book. This author is a was a founder of a nonprofit, uh, former Navy SEAL. He'd written like a self-help kind of book and possible Republican candidate for the governor of Missouri. Interesting. So for an hour. An he, hour? That, yes. Or maybe, oh wait, no. An hour into the flight. Sorry, sorry. Okay, I was like, <laughs> whoa there, buddy. Oh, geez. It doesn't say how long he read for. Uh, he read from his book to people who could not escape. <sighs> and they... To increase the audience's engagement, they uh, gave, or they put you into a drawing for a special gift, which turns out to be a $100 Southwest gift card if you asked a question to the, <sighs> the author. Um, oh, so I don't want burn this it down. so hard. <laughs> no. Okay, when I was a bookseller, author readings were the actual worst. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nobody... Nobody likes them. Nobody likes to hear you read. And I don't want to hear you read when I don't have a choice about it. Times 50. Right. Like uh, non-consensual author reading <laughs> are just not a thing I want. And many great writers are not great readers. And yeah. very few authors are good enough readers to read for more than like five minutes at an event. And this is kind of a universal bookseller piece of advice, right? Like every time a bookseller does authors a favor and writes a post somewhere on the internet about like 10 tips, you know, to give the best bookstore event, it basically always says, don't read for very long. Like be your interesting self in some other way. People don't want to just hear you drone on and on. Like 
This goes for great writers too. Like I saw Richard Russo several years ago and he read an entire chapter of his book at mm-hmm. a signing at politics and prose. And it took 40 minutes. I'm like, I love you, Richard Russo, but no, like that is long. People just don't want to sit there Especially for 40 like minutes. Some politician, like I would have actually been offended at having to sit through a reading from a Republican candidate for any political office. Like I would have been pissed. Yeah. It's like, how did this get organized? Like did the, did the publisher arrange this with Southwest? Was it just this author's idea? Like, I'm going to be on a flight with a couple hundred people, and so I'll market at them? It uh, doesn't... W- was it tied to the campaign? I don't, like, I don't want to be campaigned at on a flight. I don't want to be sold to on a flight. I don't even want to talk to the person sitting next to me. Like, yeah. I legit don't. Like, I want to read my book for two hours in We book silence. block when we fly together. <laughs> people who have not heard this story before. Like, this is when we fly together, we sit next to each other and with books so that no one talks to the other person and we call it book blocking. Because I don't want to talk to strangers. The best thing. <laughs> Well, th- this article says that the airline compensates because they've done this with bands too, okay. like to have like random surprise. Oh yeah, and they did a- Imagine Dragons okay. did Which, a random concert. Hey, people know who Imagine Dragons are. They're on the radio. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Not a rando. It's not like your neighbor who wrote a book and wants to sell it to you or made an album in his basement. I don't know. But the airline doesn't pay these people. They only they compensate them with their airfare. So I assume these people are like traveling. Mm. Like, I'm going that way anyway. Yeah, Might so as well like, do some PR while I'm on the plane. I mean, like, if it turned out I was on a flight with Dan Brown and Dan Brown was going to read for 10 minutes and then take people's questions. First of all, there's a pretty good chance that anybody that like a, a handful of people on any random flight have read some Dan Brown. Mm hmm. Which, you know, maybe serves customers in some way. Like there are a few authors that I wouldn't be completely upset that this happened with if like if I'm on a flight with Toni Morrison, if I find myself on a flight with Margaret Atwood, like J.K. Rowling. Sure. Like that would be can you imagine being on a flight where J.K. Rowling just stands up and is like I'm going to do a reading now. I'm Joe <laughs> Rowling and let's talk about Hogwarts. I am here for that. <laughs> But only that. Nobody else. But like, it's not going to happen with big authors because big authors aren't going to waste their time doing a thing that nobody wants, which is being the captive. Like if the only audience that you can get is a captive audience, then you don't get an audience. Yeah. It's, It's these like bad ideas from smaller authors who they do it online and they do it in real life, like scramble for any kind of capturing of people's attention that they can. And it has the, to me, it has the opposite effect. I will be so angry yeah. at you for like cornering me at a conference that I'm attending as just a human being to try to sell me your book or for cornering me in an airport or a library or wherever, um, that even if your book is good, I'll never pay attention to it. It's ugh, no, it I feels just, very much like those, those mall kiosk people who oh, as you're yeah. walking by, like, force their presence onto like you to try and sell you stuff. they're spraying you with the perfume as they're as asking you, you if you want to be sprayed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, well, they'll say, can I look at your nails as they like go to grab your hand? That kind of really weird. Yeah. Like now I'm never, ever going to stop and talk to you because you freaked me out. Also, you touched me. Yeah. And I don't like, I just don't like that, that feeling of not having a choice in yeah. what I'm being marketed to. And I know right. like, well, we're marketed to all the time without our consent. Okay, mm-hmm. sure. But like I paid hundreds of dollars for this ticket on this airport, like on this airplane. And I don't, 
I don't want to sleep. I want to sleep and ignore everyone. And and I don't want some random person to talk to me. You know, the movies that we get shown on planes or the TV channels that are available if you're on a flight and you get to like surf through TV channels, that's all sponsored stuff. Those networks Mm -hmm. and those movie theaters, uh, the movie studios paid to have their stuff be available to you while you're stuck on an airplane and you're looking for something to do. And so like, whatever, if, if this guy's publisher wants to pay to put his book on the landing page when you sign on to the in-flight Wi-Fi, they're like, hey, here is this author's book, whatever, pay for that. But mm-hmm. like, don't intrude into it. It feels like an invasion yeah. of you're on this flight. You didn't know that this was going to be a part of it. <laughs> now you're now you're on like a two hour infomercial in the sky. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, please don't. <laughs> Just, okay. I just don't want like who. I just who thinks this is a good idea? <laughs> Maybe we're just like super grumpy travelers, and everyone else on the planet is like, "This is awesome," but I don't think so. I, I, I just think- have a hard time. I don't know. I'm having a hard time imagining anyone that I know being like, like you're picking up your friend at the airport, and they come off the flight, and they're like, "It was so cool." This author stood up and read and talked for two hours, and while tried to I was get trying a- to sleep, <laughs> yeah, like. And if it were anything other than books, I'd be even crankier. <laughs> like, what's next? The teenager down the street demonstrates their cutlery that they're selling door to door, but they do it on a flight. Mm. And the whatever. No, I just just no, just no. That's all we have to say about that. <laughs> OK, talk to me about good things. N.K. Jemison launched an awesome Indiegogo this week, and I know you're excited about it. So let's be yeah. excited. I like this a lot. This is called the Octavia Project. It's an Indiegogo campaign designed to get uh, underserved girls in Brooklyn, underserved meaning like by their libraries and their school systems, um, to dream big and learn tech and science skills through the use of science fiction. Holla. Isn't that rad? It's so rad. Okay. Um, So the concept, it, what? Oh, it's inspired by Octavia Butler. Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes, it is. Um, So there, the Indiegogo is to, is to raise enough money to have 12 girls do the workshop over the summer for free. Um, And they're going to help them write their stories and then use various uh, like tech and apps and different programs to like build stuff out of the worlds that they create and design buildings and all of this like crazy math and science oriented Mm -hmm. stuff out of the fiction that they have themselves created. So great. And there's so much about that that I love. Like I love that they're getting the opportunity to write a story. And I love that underserved girls, especially girls, are being encouraged to get into STEM stuff because mm-hmm. they're, you know, you know, I mean, there are statistics out there everywhere that you can find yourself about how girls are discouraged from liking math or science from a very early age. And the point here is to get them liking it before they can absorb that right. message that they're that they're kind of given by society that the girls just aren't good at math or the girls just aren't good at science or whatever. They're going to get good before they realize that that's a thing society wants them to teach. Through sci-fi. That's just so cool. It is. And it's, it combines the creative with the scientific, which I think is also great and really important. There's this sort of pervasive myth in creative circles that like you can't be that creative people are just not strategic and that creative people are just not organized or that like you can't be creative and 
think critically or be creative and have this scientific mind. And so combining these two things and getting kids while they're young, especially girls, as you said, to be like, you can dream up an amazing story and be creative and tap into, you know, all that right brain stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you can also develop the math skills and the scientific thinking and doing those in tandem will be the best possible thing for you. Um, I was definitely brought up in, you know, in schools and in like a kind of a community that thought you were either like a smart kid or a creative kid. And they, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think it was intentional. It's just so pervasive. This idea that like the creative people are flighty and that the smart people aren't creative uh, or, you know, the scientific people aren't creative. It's so cool to see these go together. Um, they're looking, like you said, for $12,000. It's 34% funded already with 30 yeah. days left. So they're hopefully going to way overfund and be able to provide more girls with this experience. Ugh, it's it was great. founded by a robotics teacher and Chana Porter, who is a sci-fi author. So Megan McNamara and Shannon Porter mm-hmm. were the founders, robotics teacher, sci-fi author. That's rad. That Everything is... about this is rad. <laughs> rad all the way around. So, <laughs> this is so good. Good, good job. job. Oh, yeah. It says here if they surpass their original goal to hit the stretch goal of $16,000, they'll have 16 workshops in their summer series. And uh, if they meet the second stretch goal, which is $30,000, they'll be able to commit to two years of the project. Um, and you'll be paying for uh, things like a professional grant writer to to help secure funding uh, for few, for years even beyond 2016. I love this. Yeah, me too. This so cool. Good. Okay, <laughs> kind of related to science fiction. This is, yeah. uh, this is a very loose attempt at a segue. This is where we needed Jeff. Um, Jillian Anderson from The X-Files <laughs> is teaming up with a journalist named Jennifer Nadell to write a self-help guide for women, which will come out next year. Here for it. Yeah. Like I don't even need to know anything else. It's all I know. (laughs) Well, there is a, there's a bit of a, well, not really synopsis in her state, in her press release. It's called we, the book is called we, and she says it's a call out to all women around the world. And by women, I include girls, transgender women, anyone who identifies themselves as female. It's a reminder that we are all linked by the fact that we are female and that we need to stick together and stand up for each other and not compete against each other. Ah. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Girl, very, sounds very girl power-ish. Yeah, that wherever we are in the world and whatever our skin color, sexual preference or religion, we are all united by the fact that we are female. Man, I am here for this. Okay, so uh, She's having a moment. Jillian Anderson. Yeah, she is. And I hope this is like lean in without all the problems that lean in had and Mm -hmm. with the shine theory thing that um, I think it's Ann Friedman wrote a few years ago that I just love that this and we can find the link for the show notes but that is a whole piece about uh, like women are socialized and we're brought up especially in professional cultures to compete with each other Um, but shine theory basically posits when there's a woman who's doing something awesome, rather than like positioning yourself 
opposite of her or competing with her, you should be friends with her and work with her and find ways that like your awesome can rub off on each other. And that when you like when a woman shines and you find a way to work with that woman who shines, you also shine. Um, everybody helps everybody else shine rather than competing. I hope that this is like I, I want that to be this. <laughs> That's what I want. This. Please. And thank you. <laughs> right. And, you know, if Ann Freeman would like come back around and write it, that would be great. Um it's going to, I think it's, it's, there's good potential there. Talk about the combination of like a scientific mind and a creative mind. I think Jillian Anderson has both. Yeah. Um, and she's written books before always. It seems like always with the help of some. Yeah. Other person, Didn't but, she write like, was it a thriller or some sort of like sci-fi book? I think it was a, year? yeah, sci-fi visions of something. It had a flame on the cover. I can see the cover, but not the title. There was a BEA party. And I remember like being sad that I didn't go to the party that they had for her. There? I think so. I know. <laughs> Maybe we can get ourselves invited to the We launch party in early uh, 2016. Please let us in. <laughs> we will go. We will. We will be nice. It'll be great. Uh, before we get into our last story of the week and new books, we have our one last sponsor. Random House Audiobooks is back this week uh, with their website tryaudiobooks.com. Uh, if you have not tried audiobooks, this is a great place to go get recommendations. You put in the activity, like they have a little generator where you put in the activity that you're going to be doing and what type of book you're looking for or how long of a book you're looking for, and they'll give you some recommendations. Uh, it's summer. And so if you are working in the in the yard, you're gardening, tending your veggies, I know uh, Bob is getting ready to plant tomatoes here next week. Um, you can go to tryaudiobooks.com slash gardening, and they'll give you titles specifically recommended to listen to while you garden. Uh, stuff like The Girl on the Train, which has been all over the place and is like, it's a page turner as we don't have a good audiobook word for page turner, like listening equivalent of page turner. <laughs> you just sit there and listen and uh, never want to get up. Yeah, but like you could dig a really deep hole while listening to the girl yeah. on the train. And that's weird. <laughs> that is weird. We need uh, a thing. <laughs> It's so absorbing. Uh, Top Secret 21 by Janet Ivanovich. Delicious by Ruth Reichel, um, who was uh, the longtime New York Times food critic. And she's written a bunch of great memoirs. And Delicious is her first novel. Um, you garden. I do. And I think that I would uh, be motivated to do it better if I had an interesting audiobook about food to listen to while I was out there. Because I don't like dirt. But I'll get in it for some zucchini. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so like having Ruth Reichel in my ear talk to me about yummy food while I'm trying to make yummy food happen out of the dirt is a that's a great idea yeah it is really smart and gardening especially like your hands are busy while you're gardening so you need to do something to occupy your mind um I tend to listen to nonfiction, you know like things that will teach me random stuff so that I can annoy my partner with hey yeah. did you know did you know did you know uh, <laughs> so you could use the generator at tryaudiobooks.com to get some cool nonfiction as well but go to tryaudiobooks.com slash gardening it lets them know that you came from book riot it also will spit out recommendations to books to listen to while you garden or you know you can navigate to the other sections of the site like while you're crafting or while you're going on a family road trip um they do have some great recommendations for books that are good for uh, all ages listening so if you're packing up the kids and the dog into the station wagon and you're driving to the beach <laughs> or whatever like i think in my mind right now all of our listeners do like national lampoons road trips <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Every summer. If you're doing that, you can listen to a great book that you will enjoy and that will also be appropriate for your kids so you don't have to answer any awkward questions. Yeah. Try don't audiobooks. <laughs> yeah. Try audiobooks.com slash gardening. And thanks again to them for sponsoring again this week. Okay, before we go to new books, because this is a segue if ever there were one. The Kansas City Public Library, which (laughs) is my hometown, that's where I got married, I love them, they do great work, has created this thing called Bare Knuckle Books. So you go to kclibrary.org slash bare knuckle books. And it's like, rather than doing a bracket thing, they've come up with a bunch of pairings of authors they basically ask the question, if these two authors got into a bare knuckle fist fight, who would win? <laughs> <laughs> and there, it is like it's progressing through. It's a tournament, basically. So it's progressing through rounds, but they didn't set it up like a like a bracket. And so the current matchups are between Mark Twain and Dr. Seuss, <laughs> Maya Angelou and Stephen King. That's my favorite one. And they have these like photoshopped pictures of all of them with their dukes up but so there was like homer versus dr seuss i saw homer versus sappho (laughs) yeah maya angelo versus sylvia plath uh hunter s thompson versus ernest hemingway which that's an interesting question stephen king versus alan moore stephen king won but i have questions about that alan moore looks very frightening (laughs) it's the beard i think you just don't know what he's keeping in there he could i think he could take stephen king i think so too I don't know, that Stephen King, I don't know if this is photoshopped. Stephen King has, like, guns. In I think that's photoshopped because Stephen <laughs> King is also, like, 60. Right. And so that's not, no. <laughs> this is, him. like, I, this to me is just one of those, like, man, book people are just so gloriously weird. Like, someone was like, let's think about authors, many of whom are dead, and how they would do trying to beat each other up. But somehow they presented it in a way that's not, it's like not offensive that we're talking about fighting. It's just kind of great. It's just random and funny and weird. I want there to be like a comic series about this or like Mm -hmm. someone writes match commentary after the fact about like what went down when Mark Twain got in the ring with Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Anyway, good job, Casey Library. Y'all are awesome. If you like... The concept of bare knuckle hey, boxing. Hey, hey, hey. You will enjoy the first book in our new book segment. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I'll take the Segway Award right now. Um, so anyway, The Fair Fight by Anna Freeman. This is my favorite book of the year so far. I love it so hard with The Passion of a Thousand Burning Suns. It came out uh, April 14th, so it's out now. And it is about female bare knuckle boxing in Victorian England. You don't need more, but I'll give you more. Okay, so the synopsis says that it was Crimson Petal and the White meets Fight Club. Yes. Which is an interesting... (laughs) That's why I picked it up, honestly. So whoever wrote that copy, well done. The mashup to beat all mashups. For real. Uh, And it's about uh, a young girl who's born into a brothel. She's not pretty, so she can't do that particular job if you know what I mean and so she gets uh she gets into a couple of like kind of schoolyard fights except not school just out in the yard just regular old yard yard fights fights. (laughs) she gets into some yard fights and is witnessed doing so uh by a boxing enthusiast who takes her under his wing and teaches her to fight in the ring um so you follow her she's poor she can't read uh she's very lower class and you also are following the life of a, a wealthy lady named Charlotte who um 
is trapped in her life of luxury and is trying to avoid a horrible marriage and is scarred by smallpox. And so she's also not very pretty, um, but she doesn't have a way out. And she meets Ruth, who is the bare knuckle boxer. And then that meeting kind of changes the rest of the book. And I don't want to give anything away, but it's about feminism, class, structures, all, all kinds of stuff. It yard takes fighting. Up, yard fighting. <laughs> prostitution it takes on all of these crazy big themes and it's a really great page turner and it's so strange and i just really like that it just sounds so awesome i like i haven't read it yet because i'm just af- like i'm afraid it's either going to be too awesome <laughs> or, that, the glory. <laughs> or that somehow my expectations are just unrealistically high from just give like it a while yeah i think i will i'll just give it a while like the crimson petal in the white is one of my favorite books of all time and Fight Club has Brad Pitt's hip divots. So <laughs> what's not to love? Watch it on mute. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway. Sorry, guys. We started this show blue and we have come full circle. <laughs> uh, also out this week, one of my favorite books of the year, The Fisherman by Chigozi Obioma. This is a novel set in the mid-90s in a village in Nigeria. Um, it's about four brothers. They have two younger siblings as well. So it's a family of six kids, but these four brothers like, run in a pack together. And it's narrated by the youngest brother, whose name is Ben. Um, Their father moves away. Things are fine with mom, but dad gets a job that takes him to a different part of the country. And the boys go a little rogue. Uh, They disobey their parents, and they start going to this river nearby to fish, um, which their father wants them to grow up and to have like white collar professional jobs. One of them is going to be a doctor. One of them is going to be a lawyer. This is what the parents are set on. And so the boys start fishing in this local river. Um, on the way back from one of their secret fishing trips one day, they encounter the local madman whose prophecies often come true. And so people fear the things that this madman says to them. Uh, he makes a prediction about something that will happen to the oldest brother. Uh, and just the fear of that thing happening changes the brother and the way that he interacts with the other three and then has these ripple effect repercussions that run through their family for a few years. And so we just are with Ben as he reflects on that experience and on what happened to his family. It's so like, this sounds like it's a novel that's just about family dynamics and brotherhood. And it is, but it's so much more than that. And I don't quite know how to articulate it. Um, mm. It's incredibly compelling. I I felt sucked in from page one in the way that you're usually just sucked into like a thriller kind of thing. Um, there's this propulsion to the story. The writing is so, so, so gorgeous. Um, like beautiful sentences, the kind of like, let me just pause and let this sentence sink into my brain for a minute. And Obioma, um, I think he's still in his late 20s. This is a really remarkable book by any stretch, but a, uh, an incredibly remarkable book to be someone's debut um, and to be a young writer's debut. It's just phenomenal. Um, Derek Attig, one of our writers, and Liberty, uh, I think were the first two that raved about it on Book Riot. And I picked it up and just like was my socks were knocked off. Socks off. Um, <laughs> you took the gloves off. I took the socks off. 
stuff. Our appendages are just flailing about. (laughs) Par for the course. (laughs) Uh, So that's The Fisherman by Chigozi Obioma. Um, I just can't recommend it highly enough. I think it's a really fantastic novel. And I will go ahead and just put on the record, I think we're going to see it on some short lists for some awards come the end of the year and early next year. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking of awards, out in paperback this week is Euphoria by Lily King. One of my favorite books of the year last year and won all the awards, uh, including the very first Kirkus Prize for fiction. It's about three anthropologists who are working in New Guinea in like the 1920s, 1930s. Uh, two of them are married to each other. The woman has just had a big su- professional success and her husband is trying to figure out you know, how to like have his own professional identity and deal with the fact that his wife is the one who is currently the big deal. They meet the third Uh, the third anthropologist who's working with a different tribe up the river and a love triangle happens. A whole bunch of other things happen too, but that's kind (laughs) of like the the central story. It's so atmospheric. Um, If you dug State of Wonder by Ann Patchett, this is like the logical next thing to read. You can also just like, you can feel the heat and hear the uh, bugs buzzing around your ears and the tension between these three characters and how they're managing their identities and all the complicated relationships between them is so excellent. Uh, And the cover of the book, just as a bonus, is really (laughs) beautiful. It looks like this uh, painting of a bunch of different like streaks of paint, but it's actually an up-close photo of the bark of a tree that grows in New Guinea that is like brightly multicolored um kind of amazing rad also in paperback just for something different yeah i loved this book too um an astronaut's guide to life on earth by chris hadfield uh, who is a canadian astronaut who uh, flew a bunch of missions for nasa who worked on the international space station and the book is mostly about just work and life and thinking about doing a good job at your work um in all of the moments, not just the glamorous moments, because like most of being an astronaut is not being in space. Yeah. Uh, so I loved the approach that he took to talking about um, how we do our work and what it is to be, you know, a good team member and a good leader and how to be in a marriage or a relationship when both of you are ambitious and care about your your careers and you have kids. Uh, it, it's just great. He's funny and so candid. Uh, it's a great on audiobook, but if you're looking for something to page through uh, while you're traveling especially this summer just you know picking up something for the spring it's out in paperback woohoo woo good things so we did i think that's it that's our show we had a lot of show this week we did (laughs) always a lot of things thanks again uh to scribbed scribbed.com slash book riot for your three your free one month trial to random house audiobooks at try audiobooks.com slash gardening and to the revelation of louisa may alcott by michaela mccall for sponsoring the link to pre-order that book which you should definitely do uh will be in the show notes here oh there's no alcott on the end of the title oh sorry the revelation of Louisa May. Yeah. It's so hard to say Louisa May and not say Alcott. Alcott, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are no other Louisa Mays. As always, you can find us all over the internet at Book Riot. You can shoot us an email for moms, dads, and grads or summer recommendations at podcast at bookriot.com. Show notes will be at bookriot.com slash podcast. I am on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Amanda is I'm Amanda Nelson. What else? Mm, bookriot.com slash BYOB to donate your books to the book drive and hang out with us uh, and some of our contributors in other cities on April 23rd. And if you're feeling generous, you can rate or review the show on iTunes, gives us good feedback and helps other people find us. 
Awesome. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.